Greetings and welcome back to the Encounter Mercy podcast. As always, I'm Father Andy Boyd, one of your co-hosts tonight, and I have with me Brother Deacon Barnabas O'Reilly. I am getting all tripped up. It's been a long day, Brother. Uh, a couple of days. I'm so, what's made it such a long day, Father Andy? It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Everywhere I go, it seems like something breaks. So the air conditioner, it, we have this old, old like 1950s air conditioning unit in the house. So it's not central air in that sense. It is um, these units that each room has their own um, like radiator condenser and in the summer times you run cold water through and the uh, winter months you run hot water through and all of a sudden um, a few days ago I stepped on the floor in my bedroom and all oh, I no. heard was this squishing sound <laughs> and the carpet was soaking wet and then I thought uh oh so I ran down to the living room that's right underneath my bedroom and the ceiling is like hanging barely attached to the uh, you know the 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 uh. rafters and all that and then and then underneath the carpet i stepped all i hear is squish uh, oh my goodness and so it's just it's been between that having that repaired and then the the roof is leaking both in the church and in the office so that was a fun few times and finding water in the kitchen and i thought oh no please please not we just renovated the kitchen don't let there be water in the kitchen <laughs> I dra- I dropped an ice cube. So we're all good. We're all good. So, but wow. Well, I got to chase a bird in our refectory, which is where the monks eat. Yeah. Um we don't know how it got in because there's there's screens in the windows that are openable. And um anyway, I was all like into, you know, if I w- didn't become a monk, I wanted to be Steve Irwin, right? <laughs> and like catch wild animals and have people pay me to do it. So I was like, all right. So I went and got this net. And I was chasing the bird, trying to catch it. Well, uh, then the monks asked me later, like, did you catch it? I was like, well, yes. Um, but I basically scared the bird enough that it flew too fast in the window. Oh, no. and needless to say, the bird didn't fly away very easily when I released oh. him. But I'll keep this PG rated here. So, Oh, this poor guy. Well... Maybe it was a concussion. Maybe he just was. Yeah. yeah. He just had to relax a little bit and to get taken care of. Boy, <laughs> you would not have done well as a Franciscan. It's a good thing you are a Benedictine. Yeah. Wow. Look at that segue. Hey, that you know, you, you got to pull me segues somehow. <laughs> not, I am not good at segues, but it just kind of sold itself there. Speaking of dead birds, let's talk about St. Benedict. <laughs> well, well, actually, I was you know, say, ben- isn't there a story about that? There's a famous story story about benedict with a bird particularly a raven right right um where um uh if i have this correct now i'm gonna get somebody that tells me i did this wrong um there was a loaf of bread that was poisoned that was given to benedict and benedict's friend the raven swooped down and took it away and he knew that uh Oh man, his brother, it was actually his brother monks that tried to poison him yeah. more than once, by the way. Well, I was going to say, uh, there's another story about um, the chalice that he was about to drink from or the cup that he was about to drink from and it exploded. Yeah, he blessed it. That's why you should say grace over your meals. That's why I tell the, the freshman, this is why you should pray in the calf. Uh, but his brother, well, and what happened was his brother monks, you know, so St. Benedict, he was an interesting character. He was basically like college age student out in Rome. And was just kind of uh, eventually looking for 
a life that wasn't just your average college life, you know, because even though this is a long time ago, it's still college age, right? whatever, in Rome. So he decided to leave school and went out to live as a hermit in this place in, in Italy called Subiaco. And you can still go there. I've been there where yeah, they have a church. Too. Yeah. Yeah, we went. Yeah, it's awesome. Isn't it pretty neat? They have like the, the cave area yeah. that he was in, you know. That's the place um, where he fell in the stone. We're getting, we're getting so like random stories, but like that's the place where he fell and the stone became soft so it didn't hurt him. Yeah. 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 A- anyway. Yeah. And that's where he had thorn bushes too that he would jump in uh, whenever he was tempted or whatever, just to be like, I'm going to mortify my flesh. <laughs> but yeah, so the neat thing, um, so St. Benedict, you know, what's something, if you're listening to this, you could take away from St. Benedict. So St. Benedict uh, sought to live a radical life for God, you know? So he left like this way of life that he knew before became a hermit. And in his hermit life, he basically needed people to um, still bring him some food on occasion. So they would lower a basket with like bread down to him and stuff. Well, this is a great theme in the lives of the saints that when you live a life of holiness and you try to like leave everyone, people come to you, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, like people think like, oh, if you like leave everything for God, you're going to be so lonely. People look for those people. So yeah. St. Benedict eventually, um, like these monks, uh, that didn't have an abbot were begging him, will you come and be our abbot and be our abbot? And he's like, Oh no, I want to be a hermit. Well, eventually he's like, all right, fine, I'll go and do that. So he leaves his little hermit life to go be an abbot. And eventually they're like, wait a minute, you're too hardcore for us. And they didn't want him any, they're like, how do we get rid of him? So they tried to poison him multiple times. And so that's the story about the cup where he was drinking and he was exactly. blessing. What happened with it? Cause I, I want to be able to tell this story again. And so I need a, good benedictine monk tell me it so i can keep the story straight yeah so from what i from what images show like we have a great statue in saint vincent when he blessed it uh it cracked right and a snake came out of it wow if i'm if i'm correct on this story yeah yeah and he like knew you know and after after at least two of those instances he's he said you know what just kind of like the sunday gospel that is coming up that says you know at some point you got to shake the dust off your feet and move on to the next place. That's where Benedict moved on and started the first Benedictine monastery, Monte Cassino, um, which still stands to this day, uh, which is pretty cool. So yeah, St. Benedict is, uh, we're celebrating him this weekend um, in the church. Hence why our, my good way, but yet horrible way of segueing. Our topic today is St. Benedict, if you couldn't figure hey. it out. But uh, yeah, so this weekend is a big deal for uh, you all at St. Vincent's in Latrobe, but more so for the entire Benedictine community worldwide. So tell me a little bit, why, why is it so important this weekend? Well, for us as monks, uh, July 11th, we celebrate the Feast of St. Benedict. Um, and uh, that's whenever in the monastery... Uh, we bring in new members of the community. Uh, so we do that on the eve before or the day before. So on Saturday, this Saturday, the 10th, we will invest, you know, um, give the, the novice habit, tonsure, and name to our new novices. We have four guys coming in. And then um, we'll have simple vows for our uh, our novices that are just finishing up moving into simple vows, which is a temporary period of time, kind of like monk probation to see, Hey, can you live these vows? You know, at least a year at a time. But then on Sunday, we're going to have solemn vows 
for uh, at least three of, yeah, three of our guys who have been with our community for a while discerning in simple vows, but now they're making their lifelong commitment. Um, and today, actually, we just had our jubilarian day. Right. We celebrated some of our priests. One of our monks, he started breaking down in tears when he was renewing his vows. He said, um, 65 years in the community. And he was renewing his vows and he, he was like breaking down. Like he can't even stand up, but he renewed his vows and like in tears. Yeah. So it's just like a beautiful yeah. kind of like time for us to slow down and remember what we're doing well, as monks. So not to, you know, change the topic off of St. Benedict too much, but now wait a minute. And I know the answer to this, but I want you to say it. Wait a minute. St. Vincent's, what does that have to do with St. Benedict? Why is this monastery that you live at and the seminary that I go to called St. Vincent and not St. Benedict's? Yeah. Interestingly enough, um, so when Boniface Wimmer, who is the Benedictine monk who was the founder of uh, of our monastery here in Latrobe, when he came here, there uh, was already a church with the name St. Vincent after St. Vincent de Paul. And uh, Boniface Wimmer really liked, he liked that. He thought that the life of St. Vincent matched uh, his own mission, right? St. Vincent de Paul was known for many things, but known for taking care of the poor. Right. And uh, Boniface Wimmer really wanted to take care of those poor Germans, especially in the area, as well as others that needed him. And uh, as well as the formation of priests, right? And Boniface Wimmer had seminarians come to him for training basically the first year they were there yeah so uh he yeah Wimmer kept it he liked it well that's a really i mean that's a beautiful thing too i mean i'm i'm grateful to share into that story a little bit too so well that's uh so as a benedictine monk here okay pretend now that i'm not father andy just i'm i'm andy i'm i'm a guy just looking around at the monastery what can i as a layman take away from this very holy man you know how can i i'm not i don't I'm not going to be a monk. How can I possibly live any of his lifestyle? Like, what would you say to someone who's interested in Benedict and, and that lifestyle, but can't do it themselves? Yeah. Well, that's a great question, Andy. Um, <laughs> Thanks, brother. I'd say first that it's very fascinating that St. Benedict is the patron saint of Western civilization. Yeah, that is <laughs> right? Like, that's kind of, some guys are like patron saint of, you know, I don't know, watches yeah. or farm yeah. animals, you know, the Western civilization, like that was a pretty big thing. And yeah. why, right? Why? Well, um, here's an example. Throughout history, what happened was, um, and especially in Western civilization, is monks would move to a place away from the world because they wanted to be monks and just be self-sustaining and devote themselves to the brotherhood and to God. Well, you build a monastery in the middle of nowhere, like Latrobe, and people come, and then eventually the city of Latrobe gets formed because yeah, yeah. there's monks there that produce things that we need and have like medicine and have. So it's it was wise for people to build a, a whole culture around this culture that's already built. Yeah. So look at how um, the life of Saint Benedict blessed not only the growth of religious orders and monks, but the growth of of culture and Western civilization for people to build cities around these monasteries and seek to live in community and all the rest. Um, so I think that's a big thing for, for us to, especially for any lay people saying, well, what can I learn from St. Benedict to apply to my life? I think we desperately are looking for models of how to live communally again in the world. 
And St. Benedict in his rule and in his life gives great examples of how to live in community and promote community. Yeah. So Benedict, you said, um, brother, now I'm still this random person on the street. You said something about he has like a rule. He has a rule. I mean, like, does this mean like, okay, one, thou shalt not kill. And if you do, I'm going to send you to prison. Or like, Explain to me like what you mean by rule. Yeah. So uh, Benedict was was smart. You know, he um, he first lived as a hermit, but then realized that it's good to live and to help, you know, in community. Um, so, but when you live in community, there arises, how do we do this? So he came up with the rule of Benedict. Now there's other rules of different, right. uh, you know, the, there's the original ancient rule of the master, which a lot of people, um, you know, it's obvious that Benedict used, some people think that Benedict wrote that in his younger days and then like, you know, modified it. Um, so there's different religious orders have different rules of life, but the, uh, probably the most famous and original one that became very popular was the rule of St. Benedict. And it's basically, it's interesting because it, it's as specific in there as what prayers to say on what days right. and how to, you know, do things at different meals. So it's very practical in a way to the point where it's like, oh my gosh, this is too many details. But it's also very uh, spiritual and, and broad in a sense of like, how, you know, what are the precepts of how to live in this community? Right. Yeah. And uh, I think that could go a long way for, um, you know, actually there's a, there's different commentaries and books on like the rule of Benedict for, I think uh, like lawyers or yeah. for football coaches or for whatever, that way it kind of takes the best of what's in the rule and applies it to different ways of life. Yeah. So, and it's not long. The rule of Benedict is pretty short. You know, you can read it, probably read it in a day. Sure. You, you had to take a whole class on it when you first became a monk. It's a novice. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And so that, I mean, sure. I, yeah, I can only imagine what that discernment process was first off to become a monk and then, all right, here's this book, learn it. And it's going to be your life. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting applying it to, um, you know, our monastery here too. Right. Yeah. Because there's like very particular things in there. Like <laughs> there's a line in there. That's great. It says uh, that monks should not drink wine. <laughs> but since they this is in the rule but yeah. since they cannot be convinced of this <laughs> this is how much they're allotted for the week or whatever yeah. it's like yeah. you know oh you know that still makes sense in, in my life yeah um but you know the cool thing about the rule and i can give some examples of i think yes. useful things but the overall thing which is very i think this is why the rule of saint benedict is still lasts as long as it, it does for for benedictines is it's it's laid out very specifically like if you live in a household or right. you know i remember whenever i was in college i lived in an intentional catholic men's household where we had like kind of like our own rules like this is what we do our traditions so imagine that for the monastery for yeah. all through history but at the end of it it says um this is the rule but it's up to the abbot to discern how to apply this yeah right so that it's not like follow the letter of the law it's like, right. this is the best practice, but let it become like personable to your house according to the guy in charge, which is yeah. like, wow, that's really helpful. You know, that's a big deal because I mean, you can see that even in our modern society and even in our modern church of where we are more focused on, um, oh, here's the letter of this law. And if we don't follow it exactly, then we're all going to hell. And it's just that idea of, you no, know, here's like a best practice guide and then 
as a community, figure out how you're going to live that, you know? Yeah. Cause I'm sure, I'm sure as when we visited, um, cause you've been to Rome, uh, and we visited the different monasteries in Rome and, uh, Italy in general, uh, like we were talking about Subiaco and, um, all the others, but I'm also thinking like when we went to visit and I was in seminary, we went to stay at Sant'Anselmo. A lot of the rules, of course, they apply, you know, they're going to be exact same living it out, but it's the little things that change it from place to place that give the flavor of the community, the, um, the individuality and yet the communality, you know, like we see that in our churches. Someone was saying to me here in the parish, um, you know, wow, it must be so difficult for you to get used to doing this uh, in a new church. I said, well, in, in a way, sure. Yeah, there's little things that I need to learn about this new parish, but the mass is the mass. Everywhere I go, I can, you know, as long as I'm in my own diocese, I can get up and celebrate the mass, and I'm uh, not, you know, it, it doesn't really change that much. You know, I'm. that's yeah. the beauty of it. You, you can be a brother monk, but also... Um, not be from that community and it's just a beautiful kind of uh relationship there that fraternity yeah well one of the vows that um we take as benedictines is stability right right you know and there's a um i think such a desire in the human heart for stability and you know in many ways it's very you know explicit practical like stability to a place you know to a monastery and to a grounds you know like i'm gonna live here the rest of my life now you know for me I'm probably going to go at ordain next May and then get sent away sure, <laughs> on mission yeah. to one of our places that we have other stability. So what does that mean? And I mean, in a practical sense, it means I'll be on mission wherever, but I always have a home here. Yeah. Like some religious orders, you, the place that you're formed, you might never go back there again. You know? Sure. But for me, I always have a place here. And whenever I die, I'm going to be buried up the hill here. Which is but beautiful i mean it's just that uh you know you can go back and see all of your brothers and your fathers that have gone before you and yeah. just that there, there's some peace there at least in my heart there's some peace there seeing that you know this i'm not alone in this we're doing this together and look at all yeah. those who came before me to do this with me yeah well and it was weird too because i went to college here yeah where like whenever you're a college student here i you know there's conversations like oh you know when are you going back to school or uh, oh yeah i'm going back to school i'll see you later yeah. But now that I'm a monk, I say like, you know, guys say, when are you coming home? Yeah. You know, or, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm going, see you, mom, I'm going home. Yeah. And it means like this big monastery place. Yeah. You know? So um, but then there's even like the, the stability of heart that we desire yeah. um, to a certain like rhythm and way of life too. So that even whenever I'm out and about, there's something to the wisdom of Benedictine life uh, and really in Catholic church life in general. Um, but I think the monks have helped kind of express this for the church a lot is like the liturgy of the hours to stop in your day, you know, and here we have bells that ring. Yeah. And when you hear the bell ring, you're supposed to stop whatever you're doing and go. It's like the, we call it the voice of God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, Oh, you hear the bell. That's the Lord saying, come, come yeah. and pray. Make sure you're not so important and so busy that you forget to pray. Right. You know, cause how often, you know, for people listening or often you father Andy, when you yeah. ask people like, how's your prayer life? Like, Oh man, I, I mean to, but I'm just so busy. Yeah. Me too, man. I'm a monk. And eventually you're like, wow, I'm a monk and I say I'm too busy to pray. This is, there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And we talked about that, you know, I can't remember when we were talking about it. Maybe it was the last time we got together last week, but the idea that, you know, oh, during pandemic we said, oh yeah, I'm going to take all this extra time that I randomly have now to pray. And then we didn't do it. But, you know, that constant call back by the bells and uh, lucky to have that in near church. But 
even here in the parish, it's like, oh yeah, okay, uh, I was going to pray midday prayer like three hours ago. Well, I guess I need to move on to mid-afternoon prayer now because <laughs> that, that didn't happen. So it's it just that calling back to that constant prayer. And obviously Benedict yeah. put a lot of energy and emphasis on the importance of prayer. And, and, and even with what you're saying, Andy, is there's another vow in yeah. Benedictine life, which is called conversion of life conversatio morum right people are like what is that <laughs> i don't even exactly know how to it's it's kind of hard to pin down but yeah it includes things like wow i'm not praying like maybe it's like i'm not praying the office like i should be today well tomorrow is a new day like yeah. every day we recognize that we're, we're working toward greater conversion you know because how often have we had a conversion maybe if you're listening to this podcast you've had some type of conversion because you're interested in, you know, looking up a Jesus podcast or a Christian <laughs> yeah. podcast. You're like, Oh yeah, I want to learn more. So you've had a moment in time that I could ask you about. And you're like, yeah, that's when it was. But if your testimony I asked you now is the same in 10 years, yeah. it's kind of a sad situation, you know, that we need to be continually like adding on to our conversion yes. and seeking God in our conversion. And really that's the only prerequisite for a man to enter the monastery and the rule. Um, is does he seek God? Yeah, that's that is it. that is so important, and I'm glad that you mentioned that whole idea of continual conversion. You know, that's um, okay. I'm really bad with Greek words, but I just had to say this one the other day. I'm trying to remember it now. It's that continual conversion after being accepted into the church and receiving the sacraments. Mystagogy. Thank you. I keep forgetting that word, but that mystagogy. So we talk about the mystagogy in, in the importance of those who go through RCIA, but then we kind of like forget the whole point of we're all called to that mystagogy, that we're all called yeah. to that continuing to enter into um, deepening of our faith and deepening of our trust in God, whereas we're just focusing more on like, okay, we got to get these five new people baptized and receive all their initiation sacraments and all right, see you later. Yeah. But we all have to keep going on that constant study and that constant learning and that constant deepening of our faith and trust in God. Which really, it makes sense um, why, if someone asks why, right? Because any other program you graduate from. You're like, right. I have acquired the information. I'm done. I'm moving on. Right. And it RCIA or CCD or monastery formation could feel like that. Like, all right, here's a goal. Go through these things and complete it. But the difference here versus school or any other military thing or to a church kind of formation process is that when you're done with the church process, it continues because the the goal the whole time is not simply to acquire knowledge, but to grow in this um, relationship with a person. Yeah. It, just like when you get married, it's not like, oh, good, now we're married. We don't have to deal with each other anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. no, no, that now is like the actual even like process. You know, we did the prerequisites to like get to this point. Yeah. So for me as a monk, I'm done with simple vows and solemn vows and I'm like, okay, cool. But there's this ongoing mystagogy for me in the monastery of what does it mean to actually know Christ yeah. as a monk and in this vocation? And even for you guys, Absolutely, you know, yeah. what does it mean wherever state in life you're at to actually know Jesus, not just know like how to be a good Catholic, perhaps how to be a good Catholic is to begin to more deeply know the person that we do this for in the first place. One section of the rule 
Now, this is coming from a diocesan priest, but uh, one that studied at St. Vincent's and, and learned a bit of the rule. I didn't, you know, I didn't have to take a whole class on it. I didn't have to study it, but just learning it through uh, like osmosis. But one that I always really hearken to is, of course, um, when Benedict speaks about fraternity and making sure that you're taking care of your brothers and your visitors. And so the Benedictine hospitality, we always talk mm. about the Benedictine hospitality and how warm and welcoming it is. Um, tell me a little bit about like that and what Benedict says on hospitality. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Benedictines are, uh, they, we pride ourselves on being hospitable, you know, and you think about it, well, you know, why? Well, one, it's because we have a home yeah. to share and we have, you know, these different, like Benedictine monasteries have always basically been self-sustaining. You know, we have everything that we need. So whenever someone comes, we welcome them in as if they're Christ. Yeah. You know, that's what Benedict says, treat every guest as if they're Christ. And some monks like to add, depending on who it is, you know, it's like Christ on Good Friday. Yeah. You know, that's the yeah. joke. Like, yeah, <laughs> be quiet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we, uh, as Benedictines pride ourselves in hospitality. And it really, it's, it's for us to be able to recognize Christ in every guest and every person and to capture, I think a part of our own vocation, which is that if we are as monks or even as Christians saying like, okay, now we've like found our own little hiding place out of the world and we can kind of like ignore everyone, you know, that's not, that's not the goal right now. Of course we want to like fortify and build community together, but then give what we have and uh, hospitality and whatever is a great part of that. So we get a lot of um, even priests and religious uh, from other places as well as lay people that just come to our monastery to stay in the guest house, to pray, to seek spiritual help or, um, you know, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, when people talk about this whole spirituality of, um, taking care of brothers and sisters it, you know christ never said uh, go out to all the world and hide in your cave you know he said go out and proclaim and take no money with you no sandals nothing extra and go and so it's a, it's that benedictine understanding of that that commissioning as we talk about it and this weekend as well we talk about the commissioning as you said in our gospel we have the great commission of christ go and preach and teach and proclaim the good news so uh you know the Benedictine lifestyle gives us some sort of um, kind of like a guidance on how to do that with one another in the community. So yeah. now we've talked a lot about, about random things in the rule and some stories of Benedict, any other great stories of Benedict that like you just love or you chuckle at or think about and in your experience, because there's one more place I want to go to with this before I let you go. Okay. Um, I'm trying to put you on the spot. Cause I really, I love it to put people on the spot and I kind of like forewarned you that I do that. But in the same breath, uh, you said, don't do that to me. I'm like, I'm going to do it anyway. Cause that's how, how much of a brother I am. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, well, th you know, there's a great story of Benedict with two of his early, um, monks, his early disciples, Morris and Placid. Right. Um, and we have statues of them and inquire and stuff like that. And their feast days together. Um, and uh, the story is that, um, yeah, Placid was the one drowning, correct? He was out in a, like the lake or the pond drowning. And uh, Benedict like was up in the monastery, like knew this somehow. He had a vision or an angel yeah. told him or whatever. And he told, he said, Brother Morris, go 
and save him, you know? Yeah. And all of a sudden Morris is like running down to the, to the pond to, to get him. And he like runs so fast. He runs onto the water and like pulls Placid out of the water and saves him. And, uh, the, as the story goes, um, Placid thought that it was Benedict. He saw Benedict, Benedict yeah. him out of the water. So it's like Benedict was kind of mystically with him as yeah. he did this. And just a funny, uh, kind of like, how do you understand that type yeah. of situation? Yeah. So, yeah, it's just like neat early stories of the miracles of St. Benedict. So St. Benedict, of course, really is the, as we call him, the formator of Western, Western monasticism, uh, mm-hmm. and mostly for men, but he also worked with his biological sister, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, St. Scholastica. Yeah. There's a great story there, too. Yeah. Yeah, so he, um, you know, he went to go visit her at her monastery, you know, her women's monastery. And uh, they were having, I guess, a day hanging out together, talking. And he, you know, as the disciplined abbot that he was, he said, all right, sister, I need to leave. I need to go back to my monastery and be with my monks. She's like, oh, brother, like, can't you hang out and just stay, keep talking? You know, I love talking with you about whatever we're talking about, spiritual things. And he's like, no, I need to leave. So he's leaving. And as he's leaving, she prays to God for him to, like, stay. Yeah. So all of a sudden, a great thunderstorm comes to the point where Benedict cannot leave. <laughs> and he's all like, ah, you know, yeah. I see what you're doing. Um, so he stays and they get to continue to have time together. And then uh, the, the cool part about them, the cool part, the interesting part about this is that she died yeah. shortly after that, maybe the next day or shortly after that. So um, anyway, it just points to the power of prayer as well. Whenever that prayer is oriented toward you know, this, the love of another. I can't remember which of the monks told us this story. It might have been um, Father Tom Acklin, but he, someone was talking about how, um, you know, he was, as he was wa- uh, traveling the next day or whenever it was back to his monastery, um, he knew his sister died because I, there was a bird that flew by. And at that moment, he knew that was her soul going home to heaven. So. Yeah, that it's yeah. such a beautiful story. I I always enjoy that one, and the fact that biological brother and sister, abbot and abbess, are both in charge of these communities, and yet the most important thing is is that they can fight with each other, you know, <laughs> and have oh, these yeah. wonderful conversations. And it's just it's a beautiful kind of relationship there um, that even goes beyond the uh, the uh, hereditary relationship, goes into that deeper mystical union, which is just beautiful. Yeah. And, and even Benedict's brotherhood right. and his emphasis on brotherhood and his, uh, his request whenever he was dying is that he would be in front of the blessed sacrament. So his brothers, uh, took him to the church and held him there. And we have yes. a great image of Benedict being held up by his brothers yeah. praying before Jesus and the blessed sacrament as he died. Yeah. Um, you know, which is just like points to the point of Benedict and life in general is, we bring each other closer to Jesus when we do this communally and together in a committed way. And that's an encouragement for all Christians. Yeah. A random minor thing that, you know, I I've noticed as a priest, but I, some other people have asked me about it too. Um, you know, when lying prostrate at our ordination or for instance, when you take vows, uh, normally as a diocesan, we're trained to put our hands under our forehead, but we often see, some of the monks put their hands out. Is there any reason for that particularly or? That's a great question. Um, I've had conversations with monks about that. Like, what are we supposed to do when? And uh, yeah. I'm sure somebody that's more liturgically sound could sure. say yeah. that, but 
what I do know is at, at our vows, uh, there's the practice of um, reciting the, the scriptural verse, sustain me, O Lord, as you have promised that I may live and disappoint me not in my hope. And we chant that three times um, in like escalating pitch, <laughs> which is kind of difficult, yeah. right before we take our vows. Okay. You know, sustain me, O Lord, as you have promised that I may live. Um, what was the rest of it? And disappoint me not in my hope. Yeah. And we, we, we raise our hands outward yeah. for that, you know? Okay. So laying on the ground is kind of an expression of continuing yeah. that. Continuing um, that, I had imagined, that self-abandonment, but, I'd assume, into, yeah. Yeah, like here I am, Lord. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Well, here's, a, here's another yeah. thing that might be interesting for the people to hear about. Yes, please. Uh, to take home for like their own spiritual life about St. Benedict. Um, in the rule, there's a chapter called the impossible task. Okay. So uh, Benedict is all about giving guys an impossible task to okay. teach them a lesson. Now imagine this, Father Andy, right? Imagine that, um, I don't know, you're really good at, you're really good at computers, right? Sure. So let's say the bishop has you go to a school and he's like, you're going to teach computer class, Father Andy. And you're like, okay, great. I can do that real good. Well, your ego is going to get in there maybe and be like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm going to be like the dude that knows the pr- cool priest and knows all about computers. Well, Sam Bennett would say, all right, you're going to do that because we want to use your gifts. But first, maybe the first year, we're going to assign you to be the tennis coach. <laughs> you know? yeah. And you're like, uh, uh, I don't, I don't know, know how that. to do that. He's like, well, you're going to figure it out and be that for the first year. So like your ego kind of gets put into check as a yeah. monk. You, know, so like, you need God for every assignment that you have and every situation that you have. So that if you're listening to this and you feel like, oh, I don't need to look for an impossible task. I have one right now. Well, let that be an opportunity to recognize your need of God, because how many of us kind of, once again, think we just graduate from needing God and uh, like, Oh, I actually still need him. Even for the things that are going really good in my life. Do you let yourself need him or do you seek God in those things too, in your gifts? So the impossible task. That is actually that I was going to ask you, like, what would be the biggest takeaway? I think honestly, that's like one of the best takeaways is that impossible task. And, you know, you kind of see that in everybody's life. And so truly being able to have that ability to recognize when we are not perfect and we need the help to go that next step. That's awesome. That's great. Thank God for St. Benedict in so many ways, our Holy Father Benedict. So remind, remind us all in case we're listening to this, like in November, what are the dates? Why is this weekend important again? And and what are the actual dates of all the celebrations that we're going to celebrate? Yeah. So just for anyone listening, that's like, you know, follows the old calendar, the old calendar uh, celebration is in March. Okay. Um, But the um, new calendar uh, uh, celebration that we have feast for Benedict is here in July 11th. Okay. Um, and that is the Feast of St. Benedict. That's whenever uh, our monastery and many monasteries celebrate um, vows, solemn vows yes, yeah. in our community. The day before that, July 10th, we have simple vows, yeah. which is the temporary kind of vows that the guys in formation take. And we also welcome new new members, novices during that time. So it's not like a, a rule of thumb that, that some monasteries have different sure. dates for that, but we find that to be a good, that's good a, time that's for a that. That's a good one, yeah, in our Holy yeah. Father Benedict. That's wonderful. And then, of course, um, the Transitus of Benedict, too. That's a big feast day. Remind me, do you remember the date for that? Because I don't remember. I can look it up yeah, later. Yeah, um, Mar- March March 21st. So that's in the old calendar then. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And is that the day they moved his body? Is that what? Is that right? Or um, wait, let me March twenty first. Good man, because I, I I don't want to start typing. People would hear all that. Benedict. Noise. I'll put some yeah, background. Good to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, and that and that's really recognizes his death. Yeah, okay. So that is that's yeah, okay. Cool. So like his soul going to heaven. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting me put you on the spot tonight and really like picking your brain. And now you can show Father Abbott this and be like, Hey, I actually remember something about our holy father. So there you go. Yeah. Well I'm- and and one one thing too that might be neat for people that are listening is if you want to begin a devotion to St. Benedict, yes. look into uh, beginning to wear a St. Benedict medal that yes. you get blessed by a priest. Uh, there's a special blessing that Benedictine priests can give uh, on the medal, pr- prayer of exorcism. There's actually prayers of exorcism on the Benedictine medal yes. that more or less say, Satan, drink your own poison. Yeah. We don't want it. You know, like it's hardcore and exorcists use that medal and exorcisms and all the rest. Like it's cool. Um, if anybody so, from any of my parish assignments ever sees, I wear that ring. I wear that on a ring. So nice. I wear Benedict's uh, medal um, with uh, the letter side of it. I wear that on a ring for protection um, yeah. for numerous reasons. But, yeah, truly, St. Benedict, he he was saved from the devil so many times. And so we trust in him to protect us from that evil. And so thank God for our Holy Father Benedict who can do that. And like I said, I wear that on my – usually it's on my hand, but I – took it off when I was making dinner and I don't know where I left it. So it's somewhere. Oh uh, boy. I don't know, but there's one hanging above my door. First thing I hung up was the one hanging above my door. So there you go. Always protected, always protected, always safe. Good to go. So great. Well, thank you, brother. I hope you enjoy the next couple of days. This is exciting for the community always is. So, thank you. yeah. And, um, we are of course, Always glad to have our listeners with us for the Encounter Mercy podcast. There's some exciting news in the coming weeks and months. Um, I know I'm giving a little bit of a uh, foretaste. What could it be? What could it be? And then what's going to happen is I'm going to forget about it. And then, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you guys, like, this is the big news. Uh, Father Andy got uh, a new painting for his room. No, no, there's some good stuff coming up in the future. uh, Excited about. So please stay tuned. Um, Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know if you're listening. Uh, We always like to have feedback. We don't get a lot of written feedback. But if you are listening... Give us a shout out or let us know that you're here. We're still on that list. We've fallen down a little bit, but hey, we're coming back up. Um, But let us know what you think. And if you have any questions, comments, or ideas, hit us up. You can find us on our website, EncounterMercy.com, on Facebook, and we are on Twitter. We just don't use it all that much. But hit us up anywhere that you can and give us a shout out. We would appreciate that. Anything that you can think of that I forgot, brother. I would just like to add, you know, we talked about the hospitality, hospitality of Benedictine monks, and I, you know, would just like to invite anyone that would like to come visit St. Vincent or yes. stay in our guest house to contact us here at St. Vincent. It's a beautiful monastery. campus. Beautiful campus. I love Latrobe, yeah. Pennsylvania. Great four years of my life there, and I love visiting, and hopefully uh, Vince and I and some of the others will be able to get down to see you all soon. Yeah, I still need to meet vince in person i know it's so funny it's so funny but yeah i'm like are you tall or short you know he's tall he's taller than me oh wow yeah yeah i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to grow up on you you're taller than me no i'm not Uh, i think you are in any event (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah, check out St. Vincent's. Uh, Google search St. Vincent Arch Abbey, Latrobe, Pennsylvania. For more information, check out our show notes. I'll put all that in there. And uh, brother, you'll give me a good copy of the rule that I can link if anybody wants to read it. I'm sure there's a good one online or a good book to buy for that. So, yeah. All right. God bless everyone. Thank you for listening. This has been another short, long-ish episode of Encounter Mercy Podcast. I am again, Father Andy, your host with Brother Barnabas, and we will see you 